is brought to you by Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate alongside Kyle Straub Real Estate. Give me a call. I am Kyle Straub. If you need to buy or sell or know anybody that is, 845-430-8415. He's Pat James. This is Bosch to the Bigs, and we appreciate you joining us after Carolina. Pat has their first down weekend of this 2022 season. Tar Heels had four games since the last time we joined you. One against App State in the midweek, four to two, but then swept down in Coral Gables against Miami. They enter this week sitting at 18 and six overall, five and four in the ACC. And a recap of a weekend where, you know, for everything that has happened so good for Carolina, just seems like everything went the way of the Hurricanes and not really at fault for the Tar Heels, although some of it can be uh, put on them, but just one of those weekends against a good team. Yeah, I mean, it's baseball, you know. I mean, just kind of one of those weekends, like you said, UNC kind of really avoided anything like this so far. Um, and here it is. I mean, the first real kind of test of adversity that we've kind of really seen for this team. Um, as we, you know, we'll talk about a little bit more, it's going to be extremely interesting to see, you know, how they kind of react to this. Um, you know, it is kind of interesting now that you're looking at a team that, uh, you know, they're own four outside the state of North Carolina this season. Obviously, it's a very small sample size. Um, but I think, you know, as much as I'm looking forward to seeing how they respond this weekend, I'm looking forward to seeing how they kind of take the lessons that they learned from this weekend into future road series. The series started off Friday night, an eight to five win for Miami. Uh, Carolina actually out hit the hurricanes in this one, 13 to 11, but a theme that we saw this weekend, which is something that we haven't seen yet from this team, at least not on a game to game basis. Uh, leaving runners on base, 13 left on by the Tar Heel offense. You couple that with a short start from Brandon Schaefer, lasting just two and a third, giving up three runs and six hits in that outing, uh, and just was a battle the entire time for Carolina, falling from behind and showed some good fight. You know, uh, Madej gets a run across in the eighth, Osuna with a bomb of a home run in the ninth to kind of claw them the way back, but never quite could get themselves even or or get ahead of the Hurricanes. Yeah, and while you're on that note right there about Mikey Madej, I mean, she gave him a, a shout-out. I mean, one of the best games that he's had in his Tar Heel career over the last three seasons, finishing with three hits and two RBIs, matching his UNC highs. Um, yeah, I mean, just a tough night there. You know, UNC, as you said, straining 13 runners, but going two for 18 with runners in scoring position. Um, so like you said, I mean, plenty of chances, and obviously facing a really high-quality arm in Carson Palmquist, you know, a guy who, you know, he's made his move from the back of the bullpen to the rotation this year, but has looked the part of a, you know, a big time arm, you know, baseball America ranks him as a top 70 prospect in this upcoming MLB draft. And, you know, you saw where, you know, the strikeouts, you know, kind of really were an issue there, especially against him as, you know, he struck out uh, nine guys over five innings holding UNC to one run. Um, so I just, yeah, I mean, he's couldn't really kind of get that big blow there, especially there early as, you know, Miami was able to go up three to nothing pretty quickly against Brand Schaefer, who, you know, we saw, you know, coming off the start against Duke where the back spasms kind of, you know, threw him off a little bit, you know, obviously that's a, you know, a troublesome part there for him, you know, nothing he could really do about that. But, uh, you know, after kind of coming out, you know, looking pretty sharp over the first three outings of the year, you know, including a pair of, you know, quality starts there against Seton Hall and Coastal Carolina, we've seen him kind of, you know, slow down here a little bit over these last three outings now be interesting to see. I mean, he is a veteran, so it would be interesting to see how he rebounds this weekend against a Virginia Tech team that'll be in Boschmer Stadium. Moving on to Saturday, Carolina 
uh, loses that one seven to three. And it was one that I don't think you're going to see very often this season. And it's because Carolina had the lead after six innings. They were actually up three to two. Um, but a trend in this one that we started to see that carried over into Sunday as well was an excessive amount of walks. Uh, just not something we have seen from this pitching staff. Connor Bovair getting the start, a little bit of a change here in the weekend rotation. I think part of it had to do with just giving Carlson as much time to have that blister heal up so he was good to go, but he gets to start Sunday. So Bovair on a day short rest, um, strong four innings, three hits, gives up a couple of runs, uh, but walked four and just struck out two, battling the command. And then for the first time this season, we saw Kyle Mott actually be human. <laughs> got through the first <laughs> inning worth of work. It was a bit of a struggle, but the second inning caught up to him, uh, ends up giving up four runs, which ultimately undid the game for Carolina. Yeah, you know, Kyle, he came out there, you know, first inning there in the fifth, you know, worked around a little bit, Triple was able to get out of it. Sixth inning, you know, kind of settled back down and again, um, one, two, three. But then, you know, as you said there in the seventh, I mean, had, you know, a couple singles, a double, and a walk that just kind of, you know, right there out of the gate just kind of blew things open a little bit. Again, we've seen so much from Kyle now at this point that, you know, this seems like it's going to be an outlier for him uh, just based on his performance. It did seem like he was kind of out there really kind of having to, to work a lot. I mean, it seemed like the weather kind of did play a factor this weekend in terms of kind of maybe being the hottest environment, the most humid environment that UNC's played in so far this year. I thought you did kind of see that maybe kind of wear on Kyle a little bit there as that outing kind of wore on a little bit. But, you know, as you said, I mean, UNC was leading there, you know, three to two entering the seventh inning. And uh, I think, you know, one guy who does deserve a shout out as well is just Angel Zarate. I mean, again, a huge at bat there in the sixth inning, taking a 2-2 pitch up the middle, kind of get that go-ahead run in. I mean, just a great at bat. It was actually really cool all weekend. You know, Nick Green, you know, former pro, was uh, on the broadcast for the Friday and Sunday games. And just to hear how complimentary he was of Angel just throughout the weekend, I mean, just kind of reaffirming a lot of the same things mm -hmm. that we've been saying on this podcast, you know, all season long, especially when it comes to kind of, you know, those bat-to-ball skills and just how advanced they are. Angel just kept doing Angel things over this weekend. A couple of hits on Saturday. That was after getting just the one on Friday and a couple more coming on Sunday for him as his hit streak continues. It has been every single game this year. And what's he at? 43, 44, 89, 120. What's the on day streak now? I think it's I think it's 48, I believe. 48 straight for him, longest in the super regional era going back to 99. That's the first year that Coach Fox, who is now retired, was the head coach, just to give you a little perspective. But, you know, another day where just things didn't go well for Carolina in a season where so far they all have, and you combine that with a veteran pitching staff and a good pitching staff in Miami who, you know, gave up nine hits to that offense. But again, Carolina left some runners on. Nine were stranded on Saturday by the Tar Heels. So you turn the page to Sunday and you're thinking, all right, get a win, salvage the weekend and, and kind of feel okay going back home. You're on the road. So it is what it is. Um, and Carolina looked like they were in line for it, jumped out to an early 2-0 lead behind, I think, probably the best start of this season for Max Carlson. Went five innings, gave up just two hits and one run, walked one, but struck out 11. Um, and then the Tar Heels ultimately lose 3-2 to two in 14 innings, though. I mean, just a fantastic start by Max. You know, those 11 strikeouts, a career high, three more than his previous career high of eight, set against James Madison in his first career start last February. 
um, was what was really impressive, and I found one of the more interesting parts of his outing is you know he generated 20 swings and misses, which were four more than he had in any other outing this year. Um, was just kind of had everything working. I mean, we've talked about that fastball, you know, kind of how deceptive it can be a little bit. That was really working for him, and just a lot of swings and misses with that pitch, as well as his changeup. But he did a really good job of pitching to the glove side kind of working the corners to both batters. It was a super impressive effort by him. Obviously, it's unfortunate that, you know, ends up being spoiled. You know, you, you see him, he kind of, you know, only allowed one runner on base for the first five innings there. And then the sixth inning, he gives up a single and a walk to open that one. And that's when the coaching staff decides to make the move at that point, bring in Sean Rapp. You know, at that point, Max is at 76 pitches. You know, I saw some conversation on Twitter and things like that. But, you know, why don't you leave him in there considering just how good he was but, I mean, again, you know, he's coming off of off-season elbow surgery. They're still working him back there. It's still very much a work in progress to kind of get him back to full strength. You don't want to ruin anything there. And obviously, he's also coming off now, you know, short in the week before because of the blister. So, I mean, just kind of all those factors kind of compounded together. I mean, it seemed like that was the right move at the right time, just, you know, looking forward. Yeah, I think three things go into it, those two that you just said, and then just the faith of the bullpen and what they have done all season long, just because this weekend doesn't work out. I mean, leading into it, you had guys that hadn't given up a run like Caden O'Brien and picking up four saves along the way and, and just really dominant guys that, you know, sometimes it's not going to happen and they don't get it done. And for the Tar Heels, it just happened to be that a couple of them happened to have it happen this weekend and it ultimately loses all three games. But O'Brien threw three innings of work. So asked to do a little bit more, gives up just one hit. Unfortunately, it was the walks, though, four free passes that he issues, um, and one of them come around to tie the game. And then Gage Gillian with a nice rebound uh, outing after giving up a home run in his outing earlier in the series, comes back and gives four really strong innings that gets Carolina through a lot of those extra innings there. And that was that was one of the more impressive things of the weekend to see Gage kind of come back out there. And you could see how, you know, as UNC was kind of, I mean, it was tough. And you saw both teams, especially offensively, where they were just kind of trying to fight through it. I mean, you could see where it was kind of wearing down them the more that game went on. And you could see Gage, I mean, going out there every single time and, you know, coming back into the dugout after pitching a one, two, three inning and just really trying to get the guys going, just trying to give the team some sort of energy. Mm -hmm. um, just a remarkable job by him. As you said, four and one third innings, three hits, one run, one run allowed. Uh, one walk and three strikeouts. I mean, just a great effort by him. Um, you mentioned kind of the home run there on Friday night. We've seen here early on where, you know, that's been a little bit of an issue, more so than last year. You know, Gage, I believe he gave up four home runs all of last season across 50 innings. And so far this year, I believe he's now at five and 19 and third. Um, so something that, you know, he needs to improve on. But I think, you know, again, just another one of those guys who, he is a proven commodity. You know what he can do, and you know that he'll kind of work his way through this. Carolina for the weekend ends up having 10 runs scored on 29 hits, left 31 on base. Uh, not something that either you or myself are worried about, but just another one of those numbers that show you just why they come away with losing on the sweep side, even though they have swept some teams this season. Um, but ultimately, Pat, you know, you wrap up the weekend, you look back, you want to move forward. I don't think that you can say it was a dominating weekend by Miami by any stretch of the imagination, even though you lose all three games, they're all very close. Lose by three, lose by four, lose by one. And you have the lead late in two of those games. We talk about it all the time. It comes down to the little things and conference play and just didn't get the little things done. 
Yeah, you know, Coach Forbes, I mean, he even talked about that, you know, he didn't even really feel like UNC played all that well in terms of having, you know, all facets of the game really coming together for them, you know, really throughout the weekend. But like you said, even then, you're in a position to win all three of those games, you know, without a few things just go here and there. You did see where, I mean, defensively even, you know, a few hiccups there and there, here and there. There were two errors, I believe, on the weekend, but some really nice plays as well. I mean, Hunter Stokely is continuing to look phenomenal there at first base. I mean, he drew a lot of praise by all the announcers who worked this weekend. Um, you saw, you know, also Kane O'Brien there in the ninth inning before, you know, that run scores, making a diving play to kind of scoop the ball there down the first baseline and get to Stokely for a huge out. Um, what seemed to be what was going to be like a, looking like a potential winning play at that point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, you know, it's a tough weekend to see kind of things go out the way they do. Obviously, you mentioned kind of the struggles of the play. Um, you know, 44 strikeouts were the most UNC's had since they struck out 50 times at Virginia Tech last season. You know, we've seen the swing and miss come up a little bit more and more. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, they're facing some really quality pitching at this point. I think that Miami staff might be top three maybe in the league when we look down at the end of the year. I mean, if not even higher, honestly. Mm-hmm. There's some really high-quality guys. I mean, several guys who are going to go early drafts uh, over these next three seasons. And we're talking about a team that had the number one recruiting class in the country two years ago, top five recruiting uh, class this last year. So, I mean – this is a really stiff challenge. And again, just being on the road, I mean, just another obstacle that you kind of have to overcome at that point. Ultimately, an opportunity for Carolina to learn and get better as this season goes on. Here's the first time that they've gotten some struggles on the, on the season. What do you answer with? They've got four games in front of them starting on Tuesday. UNCW coming to town. This is the first of two meetings with the Seahawks. They are 13 and 10 on the year. Uh, obviously, we believe it'll be Will Sandy getting the start on Tuesday, but you hope you can write the ship there as Virginia Tech then comes into the weekend, uh, 14 and six on the year for the Hokies, three and four in ACC play. So a series in front of you that at home you expect to win. And if you go away and win three of the next four games, you feel good about things getting back on, on track there. I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting here looking at the schedule. Next Tuesday is the trip to Charlotte for South Carolina. It is. Just unbelievable that we're at this point in the season already, honestly. And you want to know what the fun thing about it is that I was just having a conversation of what broadcasting duties were going to be like, and we're trying to figure all that out. And I may be by myself here for a little while because Dave might be down in New Orleans, even pushing past Monday, (laughs) knock on wood, fingers crossed. Yeah, it's going to be a busy couple of days here in Chapel Hill, especially hopefully a busy full week. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this stretch right here is going to be quite interesting. You know, here you have a few chances to maybe pick up a few wins. And then the the month of April is actually going to be quite interesting for the Tar Heels in terms of, you know, after this Virginia Tech series, you're going on the road to Louisville, get Georgia Tech, you know, big Coastal Division opponent at home the weekend after that. And then you finally have that big series against Virginia the week after that on the road. Obviously, Virginia is looking like the premier team in the conference right now. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how this next month kind of shakes out for UNC. And again, just seeing how they respond to the, you know, what was a tough weekend. Yeah. For North Carolina, it's nice with these weekend series, um, having Virginia tech at home to kind of get back on track. If you come out and play well before you go on the road against that Louisville team. And then I think things kind of even out a little bit more and Carolina will be at home for a little bit of a stretch, but you know, it starts with this week and it starts Tuesday against UNCW. You don't want to let a losing streak of three start and carry over into four. And then mm-hmm. who knows what you're feeling like going into the weekend. Uh, by the way, just as a note, 
Saturday against Duke. That game uh, later, 8.50, I believe, is supposed to be tip time. Don't worry. North Carolina, Virginia Tech, 2 o'clock start. We should be well done. Everybody <laughs> home and good to go for it. Can enjoy, hopefully, a Tar Heel win on the diamond and then on the hardwood as well. Uh, Pat, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Um, I should say, you know, I don't think there's anything else on the uh, on the UNC current team front, but one piece of news that kind of did transpire over the last week is uh, Andrew Miller retiring after 16 seasons in the majors. I mean, just, you know, a remarkable career that he was able to put together, obviously, you know, emerging as, you know, one of the biggest, you know, postseason pitchers of the last decade, you could say. And it was, you know, one point, you know, you could argue one of the top 10 or so pitchers in baseball earned, you know, top 10 finishes in Cy Young two years. There was a two-time All-Star, obviously it was the ALCS MVP there in 2016. And obviously I'm one more interesting part, you know, just about, you know, his retirement, just kind of timing of it is obviously, you know, Andrew, he played such a key role here in kind of renegotiating just this latest CBA deal as, you know, one of the members of the MLBPA executive subcommittee was able to work that thing out and kind of, you know, restructure this new deal and just kind of, you know, right off from the sunset a little bit. So it'll be kind of interesting to see just kind of, you know, how that kind of is continues to be just a mark of his legacy moving forward. Not many names and numbers that are retired for the Tar Heels, but a huge one there and a big congratulations to him on his career and hopefully a happy retirement. Man, that's two iconic Tar Heels who have retired now uh, with Seager in the offseason and now Andrew Miller. Um, But making the way for the younger guys, literally and figuratively, I know uh, just looking at some of the uh, spring training stuff that there's a couple of Tar Heels that might crack the MLB rosters here this season. And and we'll get into that as we get a little bit closer to opening day for MLB. But that'll do it for this one. Tar Heels looking to rebound on Tuesday against UNCW. Hopefully we'll be able to join you and have a Tar Heel on prior to that Virginia Tech series. But if not, we will see you again next week. For Pat James, I'm Kyle Stroud. Thanks for tuning in to Bosch to the Bigs. <laughs>